0: Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned last week, talking about prosperity, that we have been called to disciple nations. And you can't disciple nations when you picture God as weak, small, poor, broke, that we have to picture God on a much bigger scale if we're gonna disciple nations. And we that are his representatives on the earth need to picture and imagine ourselves from a much bigger perspective, that God wants to pour out extreme abundance on us so that we can disciple nations. And I think about who disciples a nation. Leaders disciple nations. Presidents, prime ministers, kings and queens disciple nations. And if we who have been bought by the blood of Jesus have become children of the king of kings and lord of lords. Therefore, we are kingdom royalty. All believers in Christ are royalty in the kingdom of God. And I reminded you about my example of Meghan Markle buying a pair of shoes. Meghan Markle is royal. And she goes and she tries on a pair of shoes. She decides not to buy them. The owner of that store is not just going to put them back on the shelf, the owner of that store is going to say, Meghan Markle wore these shoes for 30 seconds while we moved her up to a size seven and a half. Because those shoes became royal, why? She touched them. Whatever you touch becomes royal. Royalty equals leadership in society. And everything you do is royal because of who your father in heaven is. Because of the royalty that you carry in your life. So you are a royal representative. You are a leader of this society. You are a leader of the world that you inhabit. And leadership, and this is a a, a big point, leadership is influence. Leadership is not being the boss, the manager, the supervisor, the, 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 the congressman or woman, the senator, the president. Leadership is influence. And we have a saying at Uncommon Church that every member is a minister of the gospel. Uh, you are the pastor of your work. You are the evangelist to your school. You are the apostle over the dog park. You, when you go to the pharmacy, you are the prophet to the, to the bottles and pills. You, because you carry royalty wherever you go. And because you are a minister of the gospel, you're a leader in the body of Christ. I thought you and Josie were leaders. Yeah, we're the leaders of this house, but we are raising a people group where everyone is a leader in the body of Christ. So therefore, I want to give to you what our job is as leaders of the house, Ephesians chapter four. These are the gifts that Christ gave the church. The gift of the apostle The prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. These are five gifts that were given to the church. But their responsibility, my responsibility, is to equip God's people to do his work, build up his church, the body of Christ. My responsibility is to equip you to be a minister of the gospel wherever you go. I'm not here to make more church attenders. I'm here to make disciples and disciples disciple nations. You are a leader in the body of Christ. So, what I want to teach you today is on leadership, and this is the simple fact good leadership is a learned behavior. Good leadership is a learned behavior. Some people have natural leadership skills, but many do not. And what I'm trying to teach you, no matter what your personality profile, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whatever kind of person you are, becoming a better leader is for everyone. Because good leadership is a learned behavior. Anyone can learn to become a better leader. And what is leadership? Leadership is influence. That when you... Are in your home, you have influence of those in your home, including yourself. That when you're in your community, whatever that community is, you are the one that provides the influence because you are the one who makes the room better when you walk into it. Why? Because you're a royal leader in the body of Christ. You can tell when you walk into a store or a restaurant that's got a great leader. I mean, you ever walk into a great Chick-fil-A and it's just g- exceptional management, exceptional uh, leaders on all levels. The, the, the supervisors, I mean, e- the front leader, the, the back leader, the, the, the drive-through leader, everybody is an exceptional leader because everything just seems right. All the staff are well kept, they're, they're knowledgeable, they're well trained, they're, the store is staffed and stocked well, the temperature is just right, the windows are Windexed. Like everything just feels right in a well-run store or restaurant because of a great leader. But you can also tell when you walk into a store or a restaurant with a terrible leader. There's trash on the sidewalk, the windows haven't been cleaned in a month or two, it just has like a kind of a funk in the smell in the air. The staff could care less that you're there, they don't seem to know what they're doing. There's not enough product on the shelf, why? It's terrible leadership. Leadership is actually what holds back growth in your life, in your heart, in your marriage, in a church, in a city, in a nation. Good leadership, or especially bad leadership, will hold back growth. And part of the problem that we have in America today, and one of the main reasons why the church has been shrinking over the last 50 years, is bad leadership. And it's the fact that we, as the people of God, have not seen ourselves as leaders. We have seen pastors, We've seen, we we, we put people up on a pedestal and we treat them like celebrities. But at the end of the day, we need, it's important, we need to see ourselves, every single one of us, as a leader in the body of Christ and therefore a leader in society. And that you would have that influence for the Lord in whatever room you walk into. You need to begin to see yourself as a leader. Whatever your job is, whatever you are as a student, whether you're retired, you're home with the kids, you're a leader in the body of Christ. So therefore, what does the Bible say are the godly characteristics of a leader? The Apostle Paul was training Timothy, a young pastor, on on how to raise up leaders in Timothy's church. Now, specifically, this portion of of Scripture was what Paul was teaching Timothy to look for in elders and deacons. The people that would actually lead. But if we are all going to recognize that we are leaders in the body of Christ, I think we take 1 Timothy chapter 3 and we apply these 10 principles to our lives. Can we do that? All right, three people want to be better leaders. Praise God. That's why we're teaching on this. Here's a trustworthy saying. If somebody aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. A church leader must be a man. And you have to also understand in this day and age, Men were the only ones spoken of and in leaders. But in 2021 at Uncommon Church, a church leader must be a man or a woman whose life is above reproach, must be faithful to his wife, must exercise self-control, must live wisely and have a good reputation, must enjoy having guests in his home and be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or vapor or toker. Why are you laughing? You want to smoke weed, but you don't want to get drunk? Must not be a heavy drinker. Must not be violent. Must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Must manage his own family well. Have children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Shots fired. A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Finally, People outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be a disgrace and fall into the devil's trap. So those are 10 qualifications of a leader in the body of Christ. So we are all, as leaders in the body of Christ, going to apply these to our lives. Well, I'm not an elder or deacon in the body of Christ. No, the way that uncommon is set up, these are the actual biblical rules for our church staff those that lead you know, on, on behalf of the church, all of our you group leaders, this is, we're talking about you, all of our dream team leaders, you are elders and deacons. This applies to you. But I'm saying as a church, we are gonna apply all of these qualifications to all of our lives because we all want to be better leaders in our community, amen? amen. All right, so number one, let's go back. Yeah, I've said all that a couple times. Number one, live above reproach. Now, reproach is a word that we don't use a whole lot in English, so you will have to define the word reproach. It means the disapproval of others. We need to live a life that is above the disapproval of others. Basically, on a Google review, it means uh, would not recommend or would highly recommend. Speaking of which, our church in general, all of you that are new to our church uh, how many have joined the church in the last, say, two years? Put up one hand. How many of you went to our Google review, our Google page, before you visited here? Basically, every other hand just went up. The same, you see what I'm saying? So if you love this church and you love what we do here, could you do a Google review and <laughs> make sure it's five stars? One time somebody said, I'm giving the church three stars, not because it's a bad church, but because all of us are um, works of Christ that are still being worked out and, and They love our church, but they were just giving us a three. What that does is that tells future people, don't go to this church. So don't don't give a review if it's not five stars. But then say a sentence or two to the community about what God has done in your life. Give a testimony about what God has done in your life. But that has nothing to do with the message. To live a life above reproach means that people would give you a five-star review of your life. That there isn't a work version of you and a church version of you. That you're not a hypocrite. That there isn't a way that you act at home and around the dinner table and what you watch on television, and then the way that you want to be seen by the church. That we live a godly life 24 7, 365, that there's not a different version of us that we're trying to hide because a leader in the body of Christ lives a godly life in public and private, and they live a life above reproach. Number two. And it's actually verse two Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful to your spouse. Now some people are like, "Cool, I'm I'm faithful to my spouse. I've been married, you know, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, and haven't cheated on my spouse." Mm, There's a lot more to being faithful than just in your body, because most adultery happens first in the mind. So when I say don't cheat on your spouse, I'm talking about don't even cheat on your spouse with your eyes, with your imagination, and your body. And some people are like, "Bet, I'm single." I don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. if you are single and you hope or plan to get married, you have a spouse, you ain't just met them yet, or they're too sorry to have the nerve to ask you out. But the point is, there is a spouse out there, be faithful to that person until you're married to that person. You don't give your heart away, you don't give your body away, you don't give your mind and your emotions away to, to another that's not your spouse unpopular thought among single people. All right. I'm going to go back and camp out there. Just leave my notes right there for a minute. (laughs) Virginity rocks. Isn't just a t-shirt that kids wear to get attention and to mock virginity. Single people, you have no right To give away your heart, your mind, your emotions, your imagination, or your body to anybody until you are married before God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't care that virginity means nothing in this world today. It means everything to the Lord who created it. I don't care that it's extremely difficult to hold on to your virginity. It's what God is asking you to do. Another unpopular crickets in the church. What is virginity? How much is too far? Shouldn't have brought your kids into church today. We have a great kids ministry. If there's a part of the body on the other person that you roll in with that you wouldn't touch, look at, squeeze, or nothing on this stage in front of all these people, it's sexual sin. And Jeff's mind just went somewhere crazy. So would you gather three or four hundred of your church family and be squeezing that part of the body? I don't think so. So therefore it's sexual sin. It's impure. That's not your body part to be squeezing anyway, you're just single people. That's somebody else's spouse's body part you're squeezing. Sex is only for the covenant of marriage. And all sex outside of the covenant of marriage is sin. So. I don't want to lower the bar of holiness in sex. I want to raise the bar. Can we raise the bar so high that it's not just I'm not going to cheat on my spouse? It's how about this? I'm not going to be a jerk to my spouse. I'm going to be faithful to my spouse, but I'm also going to be nice to them. I'm going to be humble before them. I'm gonna be a servant to my spouse. I'm gonna love my spouse and honor my spouse and cherish my spouse and protect my marriage more than my work, more than money, more than friendship, that my marriage is the single most important relationship in my life and I will fight to protect it. No matter what. Y'all some sorry clappers today. How about this? The message will be shorter if you clap more. (laughs) <laughs> there's other churches y'all can go to for short services and I ain't got no problem saying that I was joking with somebody recently I said I think our church would be a lot bigger if I weren't such a jerk pastor so I don't care you want an hour and five minute church service there's a lot of great churches around here this is probably not going to be a good fit for you <clears throat> Being kind is a big part of being a godly spouse and a great godly leader. So just be kind to people. Number three, so we can move on past terrible number two. (laughs) Number two was supposed to be like 45 seconds. I hung out for 45 minutes. Number three. A great godly leader exercises self-control, lives wisely, and has a good reputation there's a thousand things that go into having a good self-control. I am not gonna be able to break all of these down. Just a few things that tend to trip people up in general that lack self-control. Number one, don't oversleep. When your alarm goes off, get up and get to work and school and church on time. Don't be lazy, don't be a slacker. Self-control means that you control yourself. So, I'll give you my, don't overeat. Don't eat more calories than you burn. Well, I just, I I feel so sad. That's why God made chocolate in small doses. Brad, I, I love carbs. I just, this is not in my notes. I just wanted you to know I love carbs almost as much as I love my wife and kids. It doesn't matter what kind of carb. Anything that'll turn to sugar in my body, whether it's actual sugar or bread, good bread, I love carbs so much. Sometimes I feel like I have to have carbs. You know what I'm talking about? It's like I'm going to bed. Like I've already brushed my teeth. And I'm like, yeah, but a really good chunk of bread toasted with a little butter. I'll brush my teeth again to just crush a little more. It's like I have to. You know what I'm saying? You ever try to quit smoking? It's like you have to. You ever try to quit vaping? It's like you have to. I, I just need, a f- I, just, I have to have a glass of wine to calm me down. I'm so stressed out that I just have to do this thing to self-medicate. Godly leaders don't live a life that's stressed out. Godly leaders live a life that is not stressed out where you need to self-medicate. Have self-control. Self-control also means in our day and age, Don't have high interest credit card debt. Live with the money that you earn and not the money you ain't earned yet. Because if you put it on high interest, you're going to lose that future money in the interest that you're paying now. And sometimes people are like, dude, you said there's 10 of these things and we're only on number three? First of all, we're going to be here all day. Second of all, being a godly leader is way harder than I thought it was going to be. This is literally the reason why our society is going to hell in a handbasket. Is because there were so many people in the church that were not willing to step up and pay the price to be good leaders over the last 50 years that we're in a hot mess. Too few Christians are willing to live a lifestyle that is above reproach. These are characteristics of a godly leader, and I will go quickly for the rest of them, but I need you to be willing to embrace these things because if we don't, our kids and our grandkids are gonna struggle. So somebody's gotta step up, raise the bar, and live to a higher standard, number four. You must enjoy having guests in their home and be able to teach. What you talking about, Paul? What, what does this have to do with anything? I wanna be a great godly leader. Great, have people in your home and teach. Yay. Okay. what is this? Here's what it is. Don't you remember that in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, I'm calling you to disciple nations. Discipling happens best on a couch or around a kitchen table. Discipling happens best in a you group. Discipling happens best when you lead a you group. Talk to Pastor Josh about volunteering to lead a U group this fall. You're like, well, I don't know if I've been saved long enough. If you have been saved more than a couple years, it's time for you to now disciple other people. So learning to have people in your home is how God designed us to build relationships and disciple other people. And I remind you, at Uncommon Church, every member is a minister of the gospel. You're a leader, you should want people in your home to disciple them, number five. You must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Interesting that he also tied these two together. I'll simply say this about being violent. If you are ever violent with anyone, you are simply not reflecting the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, and I would have you question your own salvation. See how I did that? I'm not questioning your salvation, but I would encourage you to question your own salvation. Horror movies that you have a desire to like stop the car and hit somebody in traffic. You should check yourself if you're even born again yet. Let's go to the other one. If you drink to the point of getting tipsy, buzzed, drunk, or if you vape or smoke and you're getting high, you're not reflecting the character of a godly leader. I did not say you cannot drink at all, but I am telling you the Bible says that it is a sin to get drunk, and godly leaders do not get drunk, period. Well, what do you do? I don't drink. But that's also because I signed an agreement in the bylaws of my ordination with the Pentecostal Church of God, so Josh Martinez and I don't drink because we card-carrying members of the PCG. That came out really weird. Gee whiz. But they literally send you a card. I don't carry my card. Dan, do you carry your card? You signed my card. He literally has it in his wallet right now. Do you sign your own card or do you get somebody else to sign your card? He signed his own card, okay. You're carrying your card? Dan, I need a new card. In a society where every single Friday and Saturday night people get wasted, we need leaders to set an example of what it looks like that we don't need to get drunk and high in society today. Moving on real quick, characteristics of a godly leader. Number six, be gentle, not quarrelsome. Basically, be a peacemaker. I mentioned this before, but if if you're, remember when you were a child and the playground in school, and like, somebody was always wanting to pick a fight? That's okay when you're seven, but it's not okay when you're 17, or 37, or 77. If you're living from a place of pent up, amped up anger and frustration, you're always looking for a fight, you're not representing a godly leader. Don't turn a molehill into a mountain. Just blow it off and be like, I'm going to de escalate the situation. It is not worth anybody going to blows over. And in Texas, it is not worth anybody getting shot over. Like, just walk away. Jesus is the prince of peace. The only time Jesus got upset in the Bible is when people were being religious and keeping people away from faith. But in the Romans, Jesus never was recorded as getting upset. And the one time that Peter pulled out a sword and cut off a soldier's ear, Jesus healed it, put it back on. What would Jesus do when tempers flare up? He'd bring the kingdom, he'd bring miracles, he'd bring peace. Number seven, characteristic of a godly leader do not love money. Don't love money. Don't lust money. Now, I remind you of last week's message. We literally said that God loves to prosper his kids with extreme abundance. But the key is that we don't love money, that we don't lust money, that we don't have more faith in money than we do in God, that we don't compare ourselves with other people's money, that we don't long for more money. The only reason you should want more money is so that you can give more money away because 10% of minimum wage is the same thing as 10% of a million dollars a year. It's 10%, it's the same for everybody. Number eight, which is verse four. Manage your family well and have children who respect and obey you. A godly leader's marriage will be a happy marriage, a healthy marriage, a fun marriage. You guys, this is our example from life, but Josie and I are going through a season where we had three kids living at home Two are out of the house and one more leaves in just a couple of weeks, and in September, we'll be empty nesting. So we're in a season now where it's like, I actually like my wife. (laughs) Been 25 years, we raised three kids, but I actually am looking forward to hanging out with my wife all day, every day, for another 50 years. 50 years, I'd be 97, oh man. 40 years, praise the Lord. I'm, gonna make to, like, I'm actually looking forward to hanging out with her because I invested a lot in my marriage over the last 25 years. Marriage is a two-way street. Both of you need to be chasing after one another. You can't just have one person that wants to try real hard on the other person who doesn't. Both people need to be fully surrendered to Jesus and to one another. Why did the Apostle Paul include that thing about the kids, though? Because kids know when parents are faking it and hypocrites. Kids know when mom and dad are fighting and cussing at each other at home. Kids know when mom and dad are watching stuff on Netflix they shouldn't be watching. Kids know what you listen to in the car and the way coming to church. So if a kid respects you and honors you and loves you, then you know that the family is actually a good, godly family and not a bunch of hypocrites, Godly leaders are not hypocrites. Godly leaders don't holler at their kids or at one another. And the whole point of that was verse five. We read it, I'll read it again. If you cannot manage your own household, how can, you be managed, how can you be expected to take care of God's house? Nine and 10, super quick. Number nine, verse six. They must not be a new believer because they might become proud and the devil would cause them to fall. Well, define a new believer. I don't know, how about a year or three. If you're a brand new Christian in the last six months to a year, you should not be leading a you group. If you've been saved for three, four, five years, it's time to step up and lead. If you've been saved for more than five years and you're not leading a prayer meeting at work, a prayer meeting at school, if you're not on a dream team where you're leading, I'm all like, what? what are, you, are you just here to take from the kingdom? Or do you want to give back? God's got giftings and callings and talents on the inside of you. Growth track three is today. I'd recommend if you've taken growth track, you come and join a dream team. Well, somebody's like, well, I don't know. I'm still learning to walk out my faith. Listen, when a baby is learning to walk, a little toddler, a little, you know, 10 months, 11 months, 12 months, and they're learning to walk, they're not a good candidate to teach other people to walk because they're doing it wrong. And they keep falling on the floor. But the moment they're like up three, four, five years old, all right, baby, you can help little brother and sister walk. It's like you're flying on a plane. Hey, mom and dad, I know that you're traveling with your kids, but put your mask on first, and then you can help the kids. Because if you go, they go. But if you get a mask on, then we can get a mask on them, and everybody's okay. So put your mask on and start discipling other people. Number 10, real quick. People outside the church must speak well of you. People outside the church. The generation out there needs to speak well of you. Why does this matter so much? Because we're called to reach this generation. And we want this generation to speak well of us. If this generation has no idea that you're a Christian, you're not doing a very good job. If, if, if you died and all your workmates came to church for your funeral, and they'd be like, I had no idea they were saved. Because of the way they talk and the jokes they tell and the movies that they give thumbs up to, hmm, I had no idea they was a believer. Why? Because verse 7. Don't be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. What does that mean? The devil has a trap for you. Why do you think so many Christian leaders and pastors have fallen into sin and hurt the church? Having affairs, stealing money, kicking a puppy, whatever. But pastors have done stupid things and then the whole church is like a house of cards It comes collapsing down. By the way, that doesn't happen in a church full of great leaders. Josie and I travel a fair amount. God forbid we crash in a plane crash. This church would be just fine because we have an unbelievable network of leaders in this house. Join that group of great leaders. Don't fall into the devil's traps. Great Christian leaders, they learn to dodge the minefields of the devil's traps. Why? Because this generation is responsible to reach this generation. Therefore, this generation is responsible to lead this generation. Because right now, this generation is following the wrong leaders. This generation is listening to the wrong people. Anti-God people are the ones who are setting the belief system in motion for today's day and age. And they go against God's principles and his character. So an entire generation worldwide is shaking their fist at God and saying, God, you can't tell me what to do. Some ancient Jewish religion that Gentiles follow, Christianity, you can't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want to do. And I'm not even necessarily talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about church people. Church people saying, hey, it's a new day and age. It's 2021. It's okay if I want to vape, if I want to get high, if I want to get drunk, if I want to look at porn, if I want to sleep around, if I want to dabble in homosexuality. It's a new day, and I can do what I want to do because it feels right to me. No, there's a higher standard that God has called you to live up to. His standard, the way that he wants. In three weeks, my son Josh and Rebecca are getting married. Josh and Rebecca are... Um, They're formal people. My son um, wears like a sport coat, you know, to go to the beach. Like he's just a, he's a formal kind of guy. He likes to dress up. So they made a decision. If the families are going to spend, you know, a couple tens of thousands of dollars and put this big party together, we want it to be formal. So literally on the invitation, it said dress is formal. Meaning don't come in your shorts, don't come in your flip flops, don't come in in your jeans, We're throwing an extremely expensive party, and we are inviting you to be here, but it will be a formal affair. This party is going to reflect the kids' culture, and your attending the wedding is entirely voluntary. If you choose to accept this invitation, you're going to have to wear a suit or a dress. Let me ask you a question. Are they being unreasonable? Why? Because it's their culture, their style, and they're paying for it. They're simply requesting, if we provide everything and you choose to come voluntarily, then you live up to the standard we're asking you to live up to. We live according to God's standard simply because he asked and he provided everything for us to be in his party. And if he asks us to live holy and he's offering us the gift of eternal life and it is voluntary that we choose to do so, then we say, yes, Lord, have your way. I will do whatever you ask me to do. I'm not trying to have you be a better Christian. Jesus never referred to his followers as Christians. He referred to them as disciples, disciplined students of the way of Jesus. So don't just be a Christian. Christian in today's society is something that Saturday Night Live makes fun of every Saturday night. Christian has been watered down by everybody in Texas saying, I'm a Christian, praise Lord. Live a life that is not a Christian life. Live a life that is of a disciplined follower of Jesus, that embraces the ancient paths of holiness, of righteousness, that is not looking to lower the bar, but raise the bar. To not how much can I get away with, but how much can I beat my body and make it a slave to the lordship of Jesus Christ, another expression that the apostle Paul used. We are the ones that should be leaders in this generation in the ancient paths and truths of knowing God. We are the ones that should be godly leaders that study the Word of God every day. It's more important that you know the Bible today than ever before. And let me also just say this. When you really embrace who you are as a leader in the body of Christ, you really recognize that you are royalty. Stop leading from a place of defeat, discouragement. And royalty leads from a place of victory, not defeat. Royalty leads from the mountaintop and not the valley. Speak life, speak faith, speak breakthrough, not defeat. Stop praying defeated prayer. Woe is me, my belly button is so sad today. Lord, I know you are with me. When you pray defeated prayers, God's gonna answer them and you're gonna live a defeated life. Pray from a place of victory. Pray that God would promote you. Lord, promote me at work. Promote me at school. Lord. Put me in places of influence. If I'm the assistant to the regional manager, I want to become the assistant regional manager. Put yourself in for the next promotion. Lead in every area that God has put you in. Pray and ask God for big opportunities. Run for office. Whatever it takes for you to take another level of godly influence, godly leadership in your circle of influence. Pray and ask God for these opportunities. But let me warn you about this. Hold on. Don't despise if you start out in a lowly position. King David was anointed as king over all of Israel as a young boy, and then he immediately was put back out into the field as a shepherd for many more years. In fact, if you look at the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, every time God called somebody into leadership, they would go through a season of separation. Every time God called somebody into leadership, they would go through a season of alone time, of testing, of pruning, They would be alienated from other people. Why? Because we're meant to be alienated. We're meant to live differently. We're meant to to live in, think of Moses, David, uh, Elijah, the apostle Paul, Jesus himself went through a season where they were separated from everybody else. Alienated from society to look different, to be different, embrace it. Find your identity in the Lord and not in the culture of this world. I'll also say this, godly leaders are whole. Don't step into leadership when you're only halfway to becoming who God's called you to be, take the Freedom Track this fall. Sign up for it today. It's eight weeks in, the, in starting in September. I highly recommend you go through Freedom Track. Hop up on your feet. There's an old expression. I want to encourage you. Leaders are learners. Leaders are learners. And I told you that godly, good, healthy leadership is a learned behavior. So study the word of God. Study leadership books. Read leadership books for our godly leaders. Study leadership from secular leaders that, that, that are great leaders, military leaders, business leaders. Listen to podcasts on how to become a better leader. God has called you to become a leader in your area of influence. So be the very best leader that you can be. Why? So that you can reach more people for Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us all to become godly leaders. And I know that it was written for elders and deacons, but we embrace 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the 10 principles of how to become a better godly leader. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would all step up big in our leadership, that we would become better leaders, that we could lead more people to you, that we would have influence. For the kingdom of God in our area of influence. With every head bowed and every eye closed in prayer, I want to talk at you this morning. You can't represent Jesus if you don't know him. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, if you're watching online and there's sin in your life that has separated you from God, today is your day to die to your old life, to die to that sinful way of living. Today is the day to ask the Lord to put you put that old version of you to death why so that you can receive the gift of eternal life and that heaven starts now you begin to walk with kingdom power and authority you begin to walk as a godly leader you begin your journey of being a disciple a disciplined follower of Christ but it's your decision I can't make it for you to ask Jesus to forgive you and that you surrender your life to the Lord for, sometimes this, for some people, it's the first time they're ever gonna make this decision. For others, it's the first time in a long time. They've used to know the Lord, they used to walk with the Lord, but they've allowed sin back into their life. They've wandered, they've let their heart grow cold, they haven't really cared about the things of God. Well, today is your day to ask the Lord to forgive you and you recommit yourself to the Lord. So i want to lead you in that prayer, whether it's your first time or the first time in a long time. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. So if you're here this morning, or even if you're home alone watching online, if you're not right with God, but you want to pray and ask the Lord to forgive you, if you want to surrender your life to the Lord for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high? Shoot your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. I see your hand and I see your hand. Anybody else? Shoot your hand. I see your hand and back there, I see your hand. Anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand over there. Good, wow, praise God. Praise God. Wow, how fun. Yay, God, yay, God, (laughs) yay, God. All right, you can put your hands down. Listen, I, I couldn't see your hand if you're watching online, but I saw three or four people just shoot their hands straight up and say, I need to get right with Jesus today. What about you? Right there in your apartment, your living room, in your bed, just shoot your hand up before God and say, Lord, I wanna pray. I wanna get right with you today. Why don't we all pray this? If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I die to my old life. I die to sin so I can live for you. I receive the gift of eternal life. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Be the Lord of my heart, the lover of my soul. Bring healing to my broken heart. Everybody just hold right there. There's one or two that are getting right with God today that you have cried so many tears. And the Lord has stopped me right in the middle of this prayer. You need to hear the Lord has captured every one of your tears. He holds them in a bottle. God has seen the pain that you've walked through. God has seen the the tears, the screaming, the crying that you've poured out into your pillow. And I think even on a couch pillow, I see you just weeping before God. Asking for help. He's saying, I think it's a woman, baby girl. I've seen your tears. And I'm so sorry you've walked through this pain, but it was not my plan for you. And if you follow me, I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring restoration. I'm going to peel off that label and the residue that the devil's tried to stick to you. And he's going to put a whole new label on you as daughter of the Most High God, princess in heaven. God loves you and he's so proud of you. You've made good decisions, difficult decisions, and he's gonna honor you. In Jesus' name, what do you say, church? Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we want to put a light bulb in over here with your name on it. If you're watching online, we've got a Jesus wall over here with a couple of hundred light bulbs of people that have given their heart to Jesus just like you. So would you text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244? It's going to give you an auto response form back, but then fill that form out so that one of our pastors can begin to pray for you and encourage you in your walk with God. But we also want to, screw in a light bulb for you. If you're here this morning, uh, you can uh, come down and and we're going to pray here in just a minute. And we want to screw in a light bulb for you. We're going to pray for you, encourage you. Why don't we have our prayer team come down to the front. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, maybe there's pain in your body or sickness in your body or a decision coming up in life. Maybe you want to get baptized in water. Uh, Today is your day to get right with God. Maybe you need a healing. Maybe there's pain in your back. There's been sciatica pain in your lower back shooting down your right leg. God's gonna bring healing to your body today. So just come down, let us pray for you and believe God for healing for you. If you're here this morning and you've not been a great leader, while we're in this time of worship, just between you and God, just say, God, I haven't been a good leader. Would you help me to overcome all these things in my life, all the things that I've been covering up, all the hardness of heart. And it's, it's, like, um, it's like clay, Sometimes we, we allow hardness of heart in our life and we hold back and the Lord is like trying to remove this area of pain that has become solidified. It's become a part of us. And he's saying, listen, if you'll, if you'll trust me and humble yourself before me, I'm gonna remove that pain and I'm, and I'm gonna bring soft, pliable, tender You don't have to carry that pain, that hardness of heart, but you do have to humble yourself and repent before God. Today is your day.